got a lot to say about the world I occupy every day. But when I say what's on my mind, I find I piss people off. You're listening to What the Folk, real talk and raw tunes for revelationary times. I'm Emily Yates. And I'm Sarah Baranowskis. And on this episode, we're talking with Tongo Eisen Martin, organizer, educator, and San Francisco's current poet laureate. You know, people talk in all kind of emphatic ways, and I wish I could be charismatically emphatic. I just don't have that talent. But I just implore people to just come to terms, (laughs) come to terms with reality. First, if you've been loving what you've been hearing on What the Folk and you want to show us you love us, the best way to do that is by giving us your ratings and your reviews, five stars and as many words of love as you like, because that shows us that you're there. And uh, we really, really appreciate you. Uh, If not for you, we would probably just feel like we were shouting directly into the void. So yeah, thanks for being here. And, uh, you know, don't go away, tell your friends, and uh, we will keep bringing interesting conversations into your ear holes. Now to get us started, here's a piece by Tongo Eisen Martin on Poetry as Revolution. It was first broadcast on PBS's Brief But Spectacular. I was born and raised in San Francisco in an interesting time of transition, a, a time when the Really, the corporatocracy was ascending. In a way, the streets still kind of belonged to us. Institutions still belonged to us. It felt like we had the keys to the buildings. Along the way, it all got bought up, and and now I'm I'm just in a city that's a a strange and, and permanent occupation in which even the wealthy seem to be incarcerated. To walk down the street in the Bay Area is, is, is really to, to walk through a dystopia. In one sense, it, it feels or has the facade of all this kind of aesthetic, you know, even human evolution. But really you have people bouncing superfluous conversation to superfluous conversation, bouncing meal to meal, and the rest of us bouncing tent to tent, a bunch of condos and tent cities. This poem was titled, The Course of Meal. Apparently, too much of San Francisco was not there in the first place. This dream requires more condemned Africans, or put another way, state violence rises down. Or, still life is just getting warmed up. Or, army life is looking for a new church and ignored all other suggestions. Or, folktale writers have not made up their minds as to who is gonna be their friends. And this is the worst downtown yet and I've borrowed a cigarette everywhere. I've taken many a walk to the back of a bus that led on out the back of a storyteller's prison sentence, then on out the back of slave scars, but this is my comeback face. I left my watch on the public bathroom sink and took the toilet with me. Threw it at the first bus I saw eating single mothers half alive. It flew through the bus line numbered and on out the front of the White House that hopefully you find comfort downtown, but if not, we brought you enough cigarette filters to make a decent winter coat. My role in the Bay Area besides hanging on for dear life is to do what I can to transform culture from one that that facilitates domination of oppressed people to one that facilitates resistance. 
I taught in prisons, youth homeless shelters, youth group homes, even youth psych wards. Everywhere our, our conditions are, are most wretched. A lot of what I actually pull into my craft, a lot of strategies I actually pull from other disciplines of art. Looking at a, a John Coltrane, looking at a, a Jimi Hendrix, trying to figure out what made them tick. Playing with ideas, playing with patterns of logic does kind of stand outside of, of time uh, and doesn't require the same um, cultural uh, landmarks for anybody to, to engage your ideas and engage your words. So in that way, a poet's craft lasts a long, long time. My name is Tongo Eisen Martin, and this is my brief but spectacular take on poetry as revolution. Here we are on What the Folk with our guest for this episode, Tongo Eisen Martin, originally from San Francisco. Tongo is a poet, movement worker, and educator. His latest curriculum on extrajudicial killing of black people, We Charge Genocide Again, has been used as an educational and organizing tool throughout the country. His book titled Someone's Dead Already was nominated for a California Book Award. His latest book, Heaven is All Goodbyes, was published by the City Lights Pocket Poets Series, was shortlisted for the Griffin's Poetry Prize, and won a California Book Award and an American Book Award. He is San Francisco's 8th Poet Laureate. And here he is with us today. How is your apocalypse going? It's going swell. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's, it's just when I think I get the hang of it, I, I don't have it. Um, how is yours? Same, I would say. The further I go along, the less I know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, for real. Ah, so we're so happy to have you on. I uh, saw a really, uh, a really powerful piece of yours the other day, posted by uh, Joyce Lee, who's another wonderful San Francisco poet, and um, and it just, it's it was exactly what I needed to hear and see at that point. Um, and I really, it just reminded me of all the ways that we aren't talking about poetry as revolutionary. And uh, so I, I, I really appreciate that approach that you've been taking. Can you, and uh, I don't know, I, for those who don't know you, I would love to let you kind of talk a little bit about how you became the poet you are and how you came to some of these Profound thoughts. Oh, right on. <laughs> Profound, but but not necessarily original. You know, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, nothing's really an original thought, right? right I right, think right. the way we come to all our thoughts is original, though. And uh, so, I'm definitely mm. interested in hearing how you came to yours. Right on. Right on. Much respect. Um, yeah, I, I think I've just been kind of held hostage by a few things or held hostage by a few threads. Um, one being just a, a revolutionary commitment. Um, now really I was lucky to be kind of born into. Um, my mother was a, 
uh, 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 no gloves on <laughs> mm-hmm. re- uh, re- revolutionary. Um, and, and so, you know, from the from the crib on, I, I always I was just educated on what time it really is or what time it was. Um, and what was interesting about that upbringing, though, is it, it wasn't like it wasn't a boot camp, you know, it, it was just asking me a lot of questions and always just kind of like stoking critical thinking, you know, um, and, and I think that is a big part of the 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 machinery that 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 pushes out these lines i think like there's there's kind of there's there's two kind of like poems that are that that have a a, a political worth to them both groovy one a little bit more groovy though one you have a poem that kind of teaches you something or the poet is teaching you something and then there's another kind of poem where you can tell that the poet is teaching themselves something in front of you. And so that kind of just critical relationship or dialogical uh, uh, relationship to craft, um, I, I think is, 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 is really what my little secret, uh, what, what the secret is. You know? So it's just like, you know, the poems is just, kind of uh it's just my way of um just my way of poking around uh poking around reality and at the same time i think what also goes with like this you know kind of revolutionary bend with really just a natural bend um or just a human bend is that kind of commitment to humanity as an interconnected thing what's happening to you is what's happening to me right and, um, and and so that that comes with a certain uh, 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 um, a key of energy, really, that um, that also colors everything that you write when you've made a kind of revolutionary commitment. And uh, I mean, and, and on and on and on. I think even like you know the the, the quest um, the quest for new lenses is also. Um, is is also a, a protagonist in this thing, but you know, for the most part, I say I just got, I really just kind of got lucky, you know, because there's a lot of you know a, a lot a lot of kind of you know backstories combined in this real singular way that otherwise, you know, I could easily just be somebody walking down the street talking to themselves. <laughs> I feel that way most of the time. (laughs) Right, right, right. Right, But just it just just so happens that the world plays along uh, with with these musings. But um, you know, it's it's all just in in process. I think like, or really, what 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 just the the um, I I was just reading some uh, some stuff that Coltrane had to say, some Coltrane quotes, and what was like just struck me was just how, you know, just he was just in perpetual evolution. And so when like when something comes to us, when somebody's like cultural product comes to us, we experience it as a whole. We experience it as even like a landmark, you know, we experience it as a solid. But actually when they're creating it, when he's creating, he's really just looking and looking and looking and looking and looking all over the place. 
So it's just like an interesting, like art is really just like an interesting snapshot of somebody's search, you know? So I just, I, I think that's another, I kind of got lucky to have that orientation and craft. Also, I, I should say to deprecate myself a little bit, but also born of a, you know, of a groovy insecurity. It's like when insecurity goes right, you know what I mean? And it's like- I love that. <laughs> late bloomers, you know? Ah, yes. I love that so much. I love when insecurity goes right. That's how we get our best comedy and our best poetry and our best music. Right, right, right. Like you said, as as part of people's people's process, like the people going through the most intense processes and learning the most important shit are not the people having easy lives. You know, it's people who are really struggling and struggle is usually like a lifetime type of thing. So yeah, we can't we can't draw a nice little like box around it and say this is the struggle. That's right. Yeah. Um, so you just got appointed. I don't know if appointed is the right word. Poet laureate of San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Knighted. Appointed. Right. Right. Um, congratulations. That um, your work's really deeply tied into your relationship with the city and, and you know, especially mm-hmm. issues of gentrification. So um, I wonder if you could just kind of talk about that relationship and how that city inspires you and infuriates you. <laughs> And all the things. relationship to San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the big I, I, question, I, probably. It's 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 a it's a kind of it's a it's an instructive tragedy, you know, because on the one hand, I I am a I am a, a super San Francisco story. Um, and and apologies if if. Uh, if the gentrifiers dogs outside it. <laughs> Luckily they don't bleed into our conversation. Right, right. I hope they have any gentrified even this 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 sound. <laughs> but um uh you know it's 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 so 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 I'm 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 really a San Francisco construction. Like for better or for worse. And and you know that that comes with all kind of painful realities. Um, but, but, you know, to, for it to no longer be here, um, is, is a little bit of a, um, is, it's a little bit of a, of it throws my mind for a couple loops because it's, 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 it's like your energy is really the energy that created you or the energy you move with is now actually outside of time except like i'm it's it's like being from a parallel universe and and how they would have you how the ruling class would have you they would have you walk through this thing ghost-like the 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 original the real san francisco is supposed to just walk through here like ghosts while they um you know while they make more more and more and more of a mess of things but at the same time, you know, such is the such is the existence of all peoples uh, oppressed and genocided. You know, I mean, it's, it's, so it's a weird. It's also it's 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 an interesting like it, it's it's a weird nationalism that all, you almost have to turn your back away from because at the end of the day, this is all stolen land anyway, right? Mm-hmm. This, 
this is this is all and this is and this is all um uh, 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 an economic system all the material of this system all comes from savage exploitation and and and, and mass, and mass uh, organization of violence you know so like do you you know do we even want to do do we want to ride this tiger you know no, so it's a weird like it's 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 a it's a weird relationship. It's almost it's it's like existing in you know say you're, you're existing in the old San Francisco that's not that's not here. You're 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 uh, contending with this uh, uh, corporate <laughs> reimagining. I'm saying you're, you're with 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 this Las Vegas hotel of a San Francisco. That's right it, oh, here. that's literally what I was just thinking. I was like, Las Vegas and San Francisco are that's, the that's, yeah, that's the American what, dream, right? For <laughs> real. And then and then three though, you're sitting there trying to have some kind of like you know have a revolutionary engagement. Um, of of the present and in an analysis of the past, it's like you know it, it it is like your mind your mind existing in too many different um, too many different places. That's why I, I I'm interested in in the stories we tell and the takes we have um, after the revolution. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I, I you know and in a way that kind of like. I think this kind of like violent fracturing of consciousness is a big part of this U.S. settler colonial project, and why we end up just with all con- with no continuity, you know, yes. even, even in even in resistance, and so which further just like you know helps the the hegemonic cause because it just keeps us in this like super a historical place, you know a historical um individual you know just 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 really um really detached you know so but so it's 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 it's, it's weird you know what's dream what's nightmare you know what what's what's prophecy what's delusion you know what i mean like it's all it all just kind of swims which you know in, in conclusion is 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 actually groovy food for a poet because that's you know that that you can let kind of like you can let different dimensions do the work for you as far as just like making music on a page you know oh yeah i like that it's it really is i think about like accepting all of the different times and spaces as existing together and like like when you're talking about the you know the ghost of san francisco past walking around um you know coexisting with this current permutation you know I think that is exactly what it is why so many of us are so constantly uncomfortable is because we we can sense and see the ghosts both of you know the cities the way they used to be and the land the way that it used to be and we we hear in our bones the land telling us we're doing it wrong <laughs> and you know we we hear we hear and see the ghosts who you know showing us that we're doing it wrong and we're resisting and resisting and resisting and instead of opening ourselves up to all these different dimensions like you're talking about and it's getting louder and louder i mean you know because now, now you got these raging forest fires trying to <laughs> you know what i mean 
you got you got these hurricanes trying to tell you, you know, you got these sea levels trying to tell you too. Um and and but you know this this uh you know kind of reactionary forces man are just so stubborn. Um it, it really, you know, it just it, it just intensifies our task as anyone who has set their mind to setting things right, you know. Uh, because what we see, like we see just from like the response to the pandemic, that they have no problem um, letting millions die um, in order to keep their in, in order to keep their structure in, in, in its usual mode of operation. Yeah, it's like I think of it as you know the, the wars you know that we've been waging for all these years. Um, you know, the wars, we, we've had the wars and the opioid epidemic now for 20 years, roughly. And um, the pandemic is is the newest iteration of, like, how to kill off all the poor people. Um, but it's, it's really, it's really interesting to see the way we, like, continue to try to see like a savior in the same old system that we've been relying on. Like I'm actually, I'm really curious, you know, today is inauguration day. A lot of people have a lot of feels and uh, I'm, I'm really curious, like what you, what, what's going through your head in this vein right now? Leave them to their feels, man. You know, we can have, we can have their feels for the day. We can, we can, when, when it subsides, we can get back to work tomorrow. I mean, you know, this, this, what was, I think was like, well, there's a, there's all kinds of things absurd about this, but we literally just saw this play get run from George W. to Obama, mm-hmm. right? Yep. We, we literally, they, from the devil to the saint, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. They just ran this play. <laughs> And and, and 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 what and what happened and what's going to continue to happen? Nah, this you know I think it's 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 especially um, you know it's it's especially telling um, you know or 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 you know it's it's sad <laughs> uh, to see how far mass energy has dropped from uprisings in the summer to sell to this to this uh pagan celebration <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being the breath of fresh air i needed today yeah. oh i knew this would be I th- I mean, thank if, you if, right if, if if any if anything you know you know speaking of opioids you know if, if anything uh you know uh uh, makes the point that you know that electoral politics is also the opiate of the masses. It's you know it's it's, it's bourgeois U.S. democracy and all of the pomp they employ, <laughs> you know, and all of the pomp they want to include yeah. in, you know. Exactly, it's. Like, I understand, you know, we're a nation of 
um, sports teams. You know, we want to have someone to root for. We want there to be a good guy and a bad guy. And we're not willing to accept that possibly all the people with power are the bad guys. And, um, or at least that they're feeding a bad part of themselves in seeking power instead of seeking, you know, an entirely different way forward. Like, I don't know. I feel like just as for me, you know, I was in the military at the beginning of the war on terror and I was in public affairs and it was part of my job to help mix the word Kool-Aid that helped the soldiers feel good about fighting the war. And I didn't really buy it at that point, but I still didn't necessarily think of myself as a bad guy. And, but eventually I did, and I had to confront that, and I had to um, sit and be really, really uncomfortable and really unhappy with that reality. And once I was able to do it, it like, like I understand it's so hard for people to let go of the illusion of being the good guy and rooting for the good guy. But like once you start doing it, you realize that it's so necessary in order to move on to the next thing. That's super interesting. How, how, so what what was uh what were some of your like duties? Like what did you what would you have to do? What did you have to do? <laughs> I Think mean about that or is that classified? <laughs> It's not classified at all. It's actually, so when I, I, I'll provide some context for anybody listening who doesn't know, you know, I met you at Naropa where I was there on my GI Bill, uh, workshopping my book that I've been writing about the army and, um, that, so I've, I do a lot of thinking about this and essentially my job was to do things like this, like interview people and find out, you know, what they were thinking and then sanitize their thoughts <laughs> and make them like say go army. Um, so it was like not really journalism, but they called it that. And that's why now I'm so, so interested in um, communication and the power of words and the power of, you know, poetry and writing and, um, and cultural influence <laughs> in mm. general. Which is why I'm, I love the kind of work that you're doing, wow. and and oh, and, and and especially like the work that you're doing around the uh, police system, which is I feel a mirror of or a parallel of the military. For sure, if if if, uh, if not really this uh, coming out of the same um, in in extension of the same effort. Um, in fact, there was a, a, an interesting. Um, so, so the the I, so you know I wrote that curriculum. We charged genocide again um, on, on extrajudicial killing of, of black people. That was tied to the study called Operation Ghetto Storm, which basically tracked all the cases of, of extrajudicial killing of black people in 2012 and found that. Black person was killed once every 28 hours by a, a police or, or a security guard um, or a, a, a Zimmerman type vigilante, right? Um, and and so the name itself, We Charge Genocide Again, is a riff off of the uh, book We Charge Genocide, which was the original indictment that um, 
Paul Rolson, William Patterson. I think Du Bois was also on it. Brought to the to brought to the world courts, you know, the United Nations, and they brought it somewhere else. I'm, I'm blanking. Um, charging the United States with genocide against black people. Um, and there's a there's a a, a beautiful uh, preamble in it because it used you know it, it used the the definition of the definitions of genocide that had just been um, adopted by the the you know uh, by the UN to deal with uh, what the Nazis had done. So it was like you know killing in whole or in part members of the group, um, inflicting. Uh, conditions of, of life that will harm in whole or in part members of the group. Um, uh, uh, trying to uh, uh, you know uh, keep keep keeping the group from reproducing. Um, interestingly, moving children, taking children away from the group and moving them somewhere. Is, is, that sounds familiar. Also all as an act of genocide, right? And so, and, and an interesting, so in, in the preamble to the indictment, a, a, a beautiful thing they point out is just that, or well, they beautifully point out the harsh reality that, a, that, a, that any society that practices genocide Home at home practices it abroad, I mean, and and that was so. It's like you know, Nazi Germany was this psychotic kill everywhere machine, and the United States is this is this is the same is the same manner of machine. So policing, you know, definitely or really any settler uh, colonial project really is really is perpetual war. And if you just look at how hyper militarized, or you can even just think about what was the process that got you, how was it seamless for you to get into the army in the first place? How was that natural? I mean, you see how unnatural what they do is now, right? Both in the, the job that you had to do and in what they literally go, go around doing. But at that time, it was seamless or sort of seamless, right? It was natural mm-hmm. enough for you to go with it. Well, that speaks to an entire that that speaks to that's a that 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 speaks to the the production or social production of an entire superstructure that's geared toward permanent war permanent and yes. perpetual war yeah yeah it's also um that's interesting because i was just listening to a conversation on a podcast earlier today when i was out for my walk where they talked about sort of like the history of colonialism almost um it's part of a project that cuts us off from an essential part of our humanity, and that's the only way it can keep perpetuating itself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. trying to resist that project in some ways is sort of coming back to reclaim our humanity. Right. Yeah. And really is step, you know, step one. Or that's also, that's the good news. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, hey, you want to know how to be a human being again? <laughs> you know? Yes, this is what we talk about is within the veterans, the anti-war veterans uh, community is uh, repeopling ourselves. Like the, the military dehumanizes and the system that we're currently under dehumanizes us because it wants us to be warlike beings. And, uh, and instead we're trying to get back to the part of our to our humanness that wants to connect. Mm-hmm. 
Right on. Tell me more. Tell me how you developed your curriculum because I'm I'm really interested in how that came to be and how it became so um, widely used and what the impact but, is on it that it's having. So, so it, it was it was originally uh, uh, conceived when Trayvon Martin was killed by Zimmerman. Um, that and actually the study was written by my mother. And so she looked at, she saw the case and and, uh, and she just got the idea like, well, uh, well, how many? How many black people have been murdered like, like this, this year? And she started just like digging and digging and collecting stories. I, I, I should say it, it pro- it's probably more than, than every 28 hours, but to actually, but to be academically responsible she didn't count cases where the race wasn't explicitly given mm. by the police. But if you look at where the part that some of these people were killed by police, there's a good chance, you know, that they, that they were black, you know. So it's probably more than than than, than every 28 hours. And then if you have if you add our our brown siblings in there. One, 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 once an hour, you know. Um, right. Um, shit, and if you add the world in there, you know what I'm saying? All the people we bomb. Oh, you're right. If you add the drone strikes in there, what do you got? You know what I mean? Probably 20 a second. Um, so, um, you know, which, which, uh, which is why internationalism is, is, is something we all need to come to terms with. Um, but anyway, so so had this study and actually, you know, didn't had, it, it, along with the study was also some great analysis uh, 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 really a U.S. empire. Um, I wrote the, the curriculum to accompany the study to give it kind of like an ideological frame, like, OK, well, what is white supremacy or why is extrajudicial killing of black people uh, necessary for the for the U.S.? you know, settler colonial project. And, you know, it, it basically, it, it, it's legs grow when we have, you know, when, a, a, every time we have a, a, an uptick in at least the, 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 the um, kind of public pronouncement of extrajudicial killing. So, you know, it kind of, it kind of went to sleep a little bit. And then when, uh, what, what was his name? Who killed Mike Brown? Darren. Something. Darren Wilson. Right. So then, when Darren Wilson kills uh, Mike Brown, interest, you know, and, and and people come back to it, and it and it um it it made it around again, uh, in in light of, of this of uh, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. So, um. You know, it, it 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 it'll never go out of style <laughs> until uh, until we have a, a real revolutionary transformation of, of this society. And it's any it, you know the po- you know police. I think Fanon said uh, you know po- police soldiers are the official spokesperson of the colonizer, right? Mm-hmm. So without a, um, a, until there is no ruling class hegemony, 
you're gonna have um, you're gonna have psychotic policing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like basically a very clear sign that you have a hegemony is the existence of a police force and a military, and especially in this country. I, I got in a pretty <laughs> pretty heated debate with someone uh, just because she's like, I, my daughter has chosen to be a police officer um, and she wants to, you know, rid the force of racism from the inside out. And, it, and I, I, I understand why people want to feel like that's possible, but it, I also don't understand why they can't grasp that it isn't possible to change a system that was always intended to uphold white supremacy to not be. <laughs> right. Cause, cause people, cause people, people benefit from not people benefit. Um, and I mean, it built whole identities and <laughs> built whole yeah. psyches around um, an absence of big picture. Mm-hmm. Right. It really, because in order to participate in a in a in a in a war machine, it actually re- requires you to um, to feel like there's some kind of you know individual adventure going on, or that there's a kind of a reality. There's some aspects of reality that you cannot transform. And so let let me just take my comfort zone and my attributes and skills and talents and interests and see what little pocket of, of, of society I can, um, I can synthesize myself with, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to, no, I am part of a majority who should be determining social reality. I mean, just in saying, oh, it, it, you know, to change, to get racism out of police, uh, get get racism out of police. Well, when, I mean, it's impossible. <laughs> exactly, it's, 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 it's impossible. It's like getting but, the wet out of water. <laughs> but but it's 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 a it's a conclusion that's born of a, a that's born of a, a, a concession that basically um, I can own, I, I I should not be determining reality. That that's that's what it what's at its root. And what's what's interesting though, or what what people are going to have to start looking at is how that surrender to ruling class hegemony really is enforced all the time through all kinds of ways, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in every, in, in every facet of society, regardless of how far, how far your, 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 your interests are away from violence. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people, police and soldiers are more comfortable with violence. Some might even like violence. They don't mind uh, orbiting close to violence. Other people, uh, you know, have never, never had a fight in their life, don't ever want to have a fight in their life, don't have one confrontational bone in their body and exist away from that. But still, all of these, um, all all of, all of these institutions are, uh, are, are, are serve the interests of, of the ruling class. And require you to um, turn off a part of your mind yeah. <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in in order in order to participate. I, I, and I am not I I am not excluded, you know, because any kind of a poet a poet laureate can definitely be a, a, a 
just another ruling class tool. Yeah, this was actually, thank you for that perfect segue into another thing. I, I Sarah and I were talking about this um, right before you jumped on is uh, this, the poem read by the, the, by Amanda Gorman at the inauguration. And we're, you know, we're just talking about the role of how, how, how the power structure chooses its, its, um, its artists and how it tries to, uh, tries to, to make the message that it wants to, uh, wants to project come out of the bodies. It wants to hear those messages from. Hmm. Well, you know, I, I think what's, what's interesting about these times is you, you don't even have to worry about poetry uh, at the at the <laughs> at the White House <laughs> because uh, you know, with this as this neo Confederate tendency uh, continues to consolidate itself as kind of the results of, of neoliberal uh, structuring. Uh, continue to play out. I mean, there's, 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 there's we're we're heading to the we're heading into a lot of blood and a lot of mud, you know. And uh, I, you know, they I, I think you know that the, in the past uh, it was less glaring, and um, you know they could kind of, you know, you could have you can have you, you can you can have the White House host uh, host a few rebels. <laughs> you know, and it, it could be safe, you know, but uh, I, we're, 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 we, we are um, like, we're, 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 we're knocking right at the door of a dystopian kind of science fiction movie. Um, and, you know, I, 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 you know, I think what's interesting is what this new, this neo this new kind of well it's not new but more pronounced neo confederate um, uh, uh, tendency is showing is that actually the the neoliberal you know faction of the ruling class is getting less and less charismatic. <laughs> you know I mean? Yep. <laughs> and, and so they're going to need a whole Whoa, lot. Well you're gonna put. Need a, you're gonna need. I don't know. I don't. I don't. There, there, there definitely not. There's not enough poems in the world. Not enough. Music. I don't know. If you. I, I don't even. I don't. I'm not even sure you can put these people back on the shelf. Yeah. Um. I, I almost like least least of our problems. Yeah. Maybe the one thing we've got going for us is creativity. In a groovy vantage point. I think I, I was just thinking that you know if if we can get past our individual uh, lism, <laughs> that that actually we have an opportunity, like is we have an opportunity to co- cooperate mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of co-mingle, mm-hmm. um, you know, across all kind of disciplines and all kind of modes of you know resistance, uh, art, however it plays out, like you know we're all kind of next door, you know? I mean, just think of the thousands and thousands of years of art you have access to, the thousands and thousands of years of humanism you have access to, you know? We really come in, and, and also in, in, in perspective, you know, seeing we see, we, we see what is imploded um, movements and imploded, 
you know, renaissances and, 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 and is, is, is renaissance get pluralized that way? <laughs> I think you can. Yeah. Renaissance eye. Yeah. As many renaissances as possible. Renaissance is going. You know, so it, it's it's like we, we have, you know, we're, we're, we actually have a really interesting, um, really interesting potential for our, for our kind of like macro generation, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's, this is all we have, but it's pretty substantial. You know, when, when you look at it, or it's an opportunity that people haven't had before because, you know, nobody, they didn't get to, you know, uh, 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 you know, some, uh, a poet in, in, in 1912, um, you know, that didn't get the vibe off of Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, we're really we're really getting to benefit from all of this interconnectedness in ways that yeah, previous generations never could and it's it's so exciting to see all the things that we actually can accomplish and are accomplishing through being creative and like um and and creating uh structures that that are alternative, that are operating at the same time, you know, parallel to these problematic structures. You know, like, I'm not, I haven't been to the Bay in a while. I know when I lived in Oakland, like, during Occupy, for example, like, or any, any of the demonstrations in Oakland, it was all a spirit of, like, taking care of each other and showing up and being community and also creating, um, you know, services for people, feeding people, helping people with whatever they need help with. And I've seen that happen here in Portland through uh, with all the mutual aid organizations that have sprung up out of the protests here. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of things that we can hope for to come out of this space. It, 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 how 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 has how has Portland been uh, with 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 the um with this uh, with this surge, with, with this neo-Confederate surge, is is there um, like uh, has it been hectic or, or and, and how 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 are like how are the kind of how are the anti-war veterans relating to to all of this? Well, the anti-war veterans like many leftists, most leftists are, are not a monolith, unfortunately, and we can't be counted on to move as one rising fist to smash the oppressors as much as I wish we could. Um, but for the most part, you know, I've been, I was, I, I was out at some of the protests when I first moved here. Um, one thing that I've, I've stated in uh, connected to and observed is the way that the the street the direct actions on the streets are still happening in different ways but more than that a lot of community has grown out of resistance here you know there are mutual aid blocks helping people do all different kinds of things from gardening to fixing their bike in their car to you know um having like having um you know, some a comrade around to, you know, walk them home from work or something like that. Um, practical things that people need. And the vets I know have engaged in different ways. My way has been to 
play to my strengths. So short answer, um, it's been it's been pretty um, varied here and everyone is just has been contributing how they can. And I'm curious how it's going in San Francisco also. I, I could I, I could I can't even tell you. I, I'm I'm so in the house. Um I mean there's I, I haven't heard of anything uh going on uh today. I, I think the Proud Boys are supposed to be here on the twenty third. You know, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> But uh, you know, may, I, 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 I haven't heard if they if they made any moves on the Capitol in Sacramento um, today. But um, they 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 put they pushed they pushed a little here. And you know what's interesting? I think this is also another consequence of gentrification. You know, because they if they just they would not they would not be they would not have come to like the Bay Area of. 20 years ago that would not they would not they, you would see none of that you know um but but it's you know i think it's what, what's interesting is just like what, to be determined again like what exactly how deep are they how strong are they you know how you know I, like i don't i don't think we actually saw like an actual coup attempt yeah. but more like a, a a a nice little scrimmage for their mm-hmm. Right. For, for, for their troops to practice and feel good about it and feel like they're part of something and organizing more people and now they got you know now they got martyrs and and, and people to free from jail and and you know war stories and now that some people can say oh i'm not all talk you know i was down there <laughs> you know what i mean yeah but it does it's it's a, it's a great you know it's a it's great scaffolding um, for them, and it's interesting also to like obvious state collaboration. We don't know how deep that goes. All that is, is yet to be seen. Um, but it, you know, the the writing is on the wall. And this is the same plays that got ran uh, ran on Black Reconstruction. And this is really what they want. They want some kind of new super Jim Crow. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know, they want to, they want a super Jim crowd. They, 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 man, don't even, they don't even trust the neoliberal uh, 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 tendency. They, they don't even trust the brainwashing. You know, <laughs> you know? which is, is kind of like, like they don't realize that the neoliberals are going to keep pushing the same policies anyway. Like they actually are wasting all of this energy. (laughs) They're going to be fine. Right, right, right. I mean, yeah. There was something you said about time and sort of existing in San Francisco and almost like all these different times at once. Um, I read this really interesting book recently that um, the title is Poetry from the Future. And it was talking about kind of movement building. Um, it's based on a Marx quote that's like, we must take our poetry not from the past, but from the future. And I think mm-hmm. some of the challenge, I don't this might be super heady and inarticulate, but some of the challenge I think about around activism right now is being stuck kind of in this time right now with its limitations where we're, all part of this system of suffering and how we kind of imagine our way out of that and the tools we use are maybe pulling something from a future mm. time in a way. 
I don't know. It's that. Does that make sense as an idea? It, it does. Yeah, it, it it does. It's 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 um or it's and it and it's interesting to predict. Mm-hmm. Or then it makes like future prediction, tactic prediction. Now it's a trippy like that, that, that's a that's a trippy uh, uh, circle to follow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, it, it, I mean, but what is concrete though is we do. I mean, we 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 bring the oppressor's mentality into our organizing. We bring the oppressor's mentality into our art. Um, and 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 that you know any that that has to be you know like that's that has to be priority in any kind of uh, political education or any, any, any again to 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 re to reperson yourself you know what I mean it has to be it has to be kind of the, the perpetual deconstruction of that. Um, I think you know what was man. I think it's just this is so much kind of rerun consciousness mm-hmm. uh, going on right now. It's it's um, you know, it's just such a I don't know what dimension people are pulling from. You know, because I wonder are, are are people even pulling from a present? You know, or, or, or are they even pulling from the past? It seemed to be just kind of like pulling from a uh, 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 people are pulling from a corporate memo. Yeah, you know, there's yes. an emptiness to it for sure. Or, 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 or put, put, pulling from a corporate memo, put, put, pulling from a CIA proposal. You know what I mean? Like, I know mm-hmm. how we can jam them up. You know, <laughs> you know pulling from a. Federal thesis, or from a you know internal military newspaper, you know, like I I can't even begin to tell you how many veterans that I was in the military with, um, who I have tum- conversations with after the fact, and I hear them speaking the words or writing the words, because usually on social media, that I helped put into their consciousness, you know, where they're like, we were winning hearts and minds. And I'm like, no, no, we weren't. (laughs) And believe me when I tell you, because like I typed that phrase, we're winning hearts and minds so many times that like, I know the military wouldn't have let me type it if it, if it wasn't bullshit. So. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that's so, that's so bugged out. Wow. Yeah, but it is well, right. It's finally what you we're, say we're that it's glad, right. We're we're glad you're home now. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm just I'm glad that um you know now that I survived to be able to do the kind of work that I'm trying to do now and to like learn from you know people like you and people like Sarah, you know, Sarah, it's Sarah's fault that I am like in, in this like podcasty world, just like, let's have all the conversations. <laughs> but like, like I, I would be losing my mind if I wasn't having these conversations and doing this work because the corporate memo mentality is so toxic that it, it eats us. It eats our souls. It, like it was eating my soul the whole time I was in the military. And it's only through doing this work now that I am able to like 
retrieve pieces of my soul through through writing and reading poetry and thinking about the revolution and like trying to be the revolution, you know, like you're talking about. It's kind of like reclaiming our consciousness is almost the most important thing in a way. Sometimes it feels like that's the most important thing we can do, at least the most immediate. Right. I mean, and as long as you're perpetually doing it, you know, I mean, the breath kind of takes care of itself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, you know, we have, you know, we have each other as, you know, creative instigators to help, you know, continue fueling our fire. And um, when I started thinking about poetry as revolution, it wasn't until I had just started thinking about like revolution in general and started seeing it everywhere. I feel like not enough people understand like the kind of thing that you talk about, which is the real power of words and the power of not being restricted into by any form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I said this to a couple of people, but I, I was lucky that, that a group of people wanted to do a, a, a frere, uh, wanted to do a study group on, on uh, pedagogy of the press. I hadn't read it in a long time and returning to it. And um, you know, con- conveniently for for a poet, um, you know, all of this, all all of this uh, kind of exposition on, you know, humanization beginning with reclaiming your power to define yourself and and the world, you know, and and thinking about you know just just uh, you know. Uh, reabsorbing your 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 autonomy, really reabsorbing your powers, your so reabsorbing true your true social powers, reabsorbing that, and the word being the 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 first step in that. Um, it was it was uh, it was it was beautiful. It was beautiful to read and something to and, and something to to kind of uh, recommit to or or or. Uh, reintegrate into the practice um you know a lot of you, you talk to some of these ogs you know you, you ask them like what politicized you you know and often they or often enough for it not to be a coincidence they say oh i heard a, a mary baraka poem mm. i heard an audrey lord poem and it politicized it, and it, it, it it'll be a hinge a hinge moment in pe- in the evolution of people's consciousness just coming across um, again somebody who is just in this process themselves right who is teaching themselves in front of you right so there's the power right so it's a way for it's almost a way for for me to 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 further kind of just display my own political education as I'm trying to figure it out and that and that's what I think that's what the where, where the gravity comes from right so in a way it's a beautiful it's both healing for you and it and it attracts others into your process mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah, and you know, what that just makes me think of is, is part of inviting people into your process and part of viewing work as, as showing people your process is this sort of act of radical vulnerability and 
the ability to say, I actually don't know things. I'm figuring things out. Watch me. <laughs> and uh, because a, a lot of the time I know in the military, there is this strong push to, you know, sound like you know what you're talking about, even when you don't. And I think there's so much power in just acknowledging that we don't know what we're talking about all the time. All we're doing is wordsing until we figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Or that's how, or, or we know what we're talking about after we, you know, discuss. After we say <laughs> it. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. otherwise you got what, man? You got fucking feudalism. Well, I, you know, anybody who's perfectly right before they, throw it through some kind of dialectical ringer, mm-hmm. there's only one option. They got it from God. <laughs> you, know <what> I mean? <laughs> you know, and therefore we've all about, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely a quick, quick trip to authoritarianism. Yeah. It's this kind of, you know, this this taking, taking conclusions uh, away from dialogue. Like out of the realm of dialogue here, just <laughs> receive conclusions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can definitely see that a lot everywhere. Everyone has to jump on social media and be very certain about everything that happens. So it's kind of interesting. We're coming up to about an hour. I don't know how much time you have, so I want to be respectful of your time. But um... oh yeah, I do have to. Um, I do have to slide. Well, yeah. don't let us stab you from sliding. But if you do have, uh, <laughs> if you do have anything else you want to add before you do, um, you know, we would love to hear it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, just, just, um, I know people, uh, you know, people talk in all kind of emphatic ways, and I wish I could be charismatically emphatic. I just don't have that talent, but. I just implore people to just come to terms, <laughs> come to terms with reality. Um, and, uh, you know, it, we, we have to, you know, whatever organization you are prepared for, whatever collective collectivizing you are prepared for, um, please just take that, take that step. Because 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 all of the jackasses are organizing, <laughs> right. and uh, you know, I mean, I don't know how many times history has to slap us around before we come to terms with the fact that there there is no there is no individual existence, mm-hmm. and so this nightmare that gets wrought on everybody else is your responsibility. Or will yes. be your is your fault. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and so and, and 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 it's just coming to terms with that. Coming to terms with the fact that what happens to somebody else is your fault. Just growing up, growing up to that, you know, um is a is is a is a necessary step in consciousness. Because if I may address the the people, <laughs> yes, anything, please. Yes. <laughs> the people, uh, anything else is insanity. Okay, <laughs> and that's all this in all this individualism does. It just sends you back down into rabbit holes 
And then, you know, and then one day somebody or something puts you out of your, your misery, but it's like, it's insane. Right. And, and, you know, we, we don't, we, people, people are, and this is the end of my emphatic, (laughs) my, my emphatic side, uh, like people are unnecessarily dying. And you just think about all the death that you've seen and how much, whatever death you've experienced, how much that hurt you, how much that shook you up. And, 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 you know, we can prevent that for other people. Like you can't, we, we really can, but it has to be, you know, we have to start standing on a revolutionary principle, you know, revolutionary unity or a human, a humanizing unity um, in, in order to, in order to knock it off, man, because, you know, I mean, or think about, think about, you can think about somebody like, you know, like, I don't know if anybody's had somebody down them too soon or something like that. You know, you can even think, or think about somebody who died on you right on time. Now move that (laughs) up Mm -hmm. and and think that devastation. It's it's just like, man, we can prevent this. We can stop this. Mm -hmm. This is, it's too much. We, it's, the button is almost stuck, you know, like it, it might not pop out. <laughs> it might not pop out again. We have, we don't have a lot of, we, we have, we have time, but we, we don't have, we don't have an infinity, yeah. you know? So I, that's all, that's all I, I was saying. Conclusion is just like, like it, it's, it's, it's get, get with some, somebody. It just, again, it just centers humanity, you know? Yeah. And, and take it from there. Yeah, it's beautifully put, and hopeful in its darkness. You know, <laughs> it, like I prefer all of my hope to like sort of be surrounded by a nice little cushion of darkness. Right, because I feel like that's how it's that's how you can see the hope. There is the contrast, right? Right. 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 I'm sure there's all kind of reflections of that in the universe. You know. Yeah. Are you? Um, at all, I don't know if you're working on anything right now. Uh, any new oh, oh. poems that you might be interested in sharing with us while we've oh, got, oh yeah know. yeah yeah I, I could I could I could um well uh um you know um apparently um no nah, that's not that's not what I want to say um to a certain extent. <laughs> 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 to a certain extent, all street life uh, starts fair. Um, sometimes with a, a spiritual memory, even. Uh, pre-dawn soul clap, your father dying, even. Uh, may, maybe I've pushed the city too far. My, my sensitivities to landfill districting and minstrel whistles, white supremacist graffiti on westbound rail guards, all overcome and reauthored reauthored by revolutionary violence that chose its own protagonists or, or muted stage of genius, the garbage is growing voices, condensed Marxism, for warrior depressives underpasses in their pockets because they just might be deities or decent bid on the Panther name, a merciful Marxism, disquieted home life, a metaphor for relaxing next to a person who is relaxing next to a gun. I stare at my father for a few seconds, then return to my upbringing. Uh, return to the souls of Ohio black folks. Revolution down there pagan at this point. You know what the clown wants? 
the respect of the ant. Wants to interpret pain only. Wants to pull a 38 out of a begging bowl. Wants me to hurt my hand on this pen. I'm not tired of these rooms. Just tired of the world to give them a relativity. My only change of clothes prosecuted. The government has finally learned how to write poems. Shootouts that briefly align. That make up a parable. A parable like uh, white bodies are paid well. (laughs) Do, Do white men even have leaders? Are all white people white men? A rat pictures a river. Can almost taste the racial divide. Can almost roll a family member's head into a city hall legislative chamber. Knows who in this good book will fly. All I do is practice, Lord. Decide not to talk out of anger ever again. Met my wife at the same time I met new audience members for our pain. We pass each other cigarettes and watch cops win. A city gone uniquely linear. Harlem of the West do a true universe. I will always remember you in fancy clothes, my wife said. So here I sit. Twisting in silk ideation. Uh, rifle made of postbellum tar targets made of an honest language. You know, this San Francisco poetry is how God knows it. It's me whining, <laughs> riding among the lesser respected wolves, lesser observed militarization, uh, Dixie List prison bookkeeping. I mean, the California gray, cup, gray coats are coming. A uh, lynch mob gossip and bourgeois debt collection. I mean, it's tempting to change professions mid poem in a Chicago briefing. A white sergeant saying blank slate for all of us after this black organizer is dead. Standard academics toasting two buck wine at the tank parade. Bay of nothing, Lord. Uh, nuclear cobblestones, gun line athleticism, and the last of the inherited asthma. Children giving white dolls to play with and fear. <laughs> Facial expression borrowed from, from rich people's shoestrings. I can hear hate and teach hate and call tools by people names and name people dead to themselves. No one getting naturalized except federal agents soon. Carving the equator in the throat soon. I'm sorry to make you relive all of this, Lord, all of this. Uh, pre-dime monarchy friends putting up politician posters and snorting the remainder of the pace. Uh, menstrual script shoveling to the walls by their elders. My children sharpening quarters on the city's edge. You know, for these audiences, I project myself into a ghost-like state. For these gangsters, I do the same. Every now and then, take a nervous look. Each sleep becomes Christ. Sleep starts growing a racial identity. Do you ever spiral, Lord? As the gang age betrayed us, be patient with my poems, Lord. Uh, is that my revolver in your hand? Better presidents than these have yawned at cages, have called us holy slaves, filled the school libraries with cop documentaries. Baby, I don't have money for food. <laughs> Shit, I don't have a present moment at all. Wow. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for putting words around this reality so skillfully. It's it's truly healing. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want people to be able to find you or do you want to lurk in the shadows? And if so, how can they find you? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 I'm, you, uh, I'm uh, well, uh, you know, it, it, I'm on Instagram, I guess. Uh, uh, what a minute. At underscore Tongo Gara underscore. Uh, uh, so underscore T O N G O G A R A underscore. underscore. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> and, 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 and the same thing on, 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 on Twitter too. But, you know, yeah. Uh, I'm around, you know, <laughs> or, or if you if you if you bump into me, you'll know me. <laughs> 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 well, 
Well, I'm so glad you're around to bump into. Right on. <laughs> I hope we can have you back on again at some for point. For sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Always, always, uh, always count me in. Cool. It was a pleasure. Right on. Yeah, y'all be smooth. Yeah, yeah, we'll try. <laughs> if you want a revolution, fuck shit up. Fuck shit up! If you want a revolution, fuck shit up. Fuck shit up! If you want a revolution, playing nice is no solution. If you want a revolution, fuck shit up. Fuck shit up! Very good. Awesome talking to Tongo, especially talking to him on the day of the inauguration, where I feel like we kind of needed someone, you know, to remind us of the bigger project at hand, since that was kind of a yeah. bleak day for anyone that can kind of see through the mechanisms of, you know, everything that's going on right now. But it was, I think, really validating for me to be able to hear somebody else say what I've been thinking, which is, you know, that this is a play that we've all seen run before. And uh, it's, it's sad to me that I don't hear more people I look up to saying those words. I think that's where some of my, like, frustration comes in, is when I see people celebrating who I know have been paying closer attention than that. I mean, I was willing to give people a little graciousness around the time, just because I, for some people at least, because I know that people had, you know, legitimate relief at Trump being gone, whether or not I shared all those feelings, because I think the problems are so systematic. It's kind of a cosmetic change at best. I still, you know, I can't tell people how they should feel and how I think they should feel. But now at this point, I'm like, okay, we definitely need to come to terms with reality, as Tongo said, and look at the bigger picture here. And I really liked that he talked about sort of collective responsibility. Um, you know, I think when you say something like what happens to somebody else is your fault, as he says, it sounds really harsh. But I think that's one of the biggest, um, let me see if I can pull this together, one of the biggest issues right now is people sort of wanting to pass off responsibility so they don't have to feel bad instead of simply accepting the fact we're all sort of attached to each other in this collective web of suffering. And mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you have to spend all day feeling ashamed and guilty about it. It's sort of part of being human, but there's a sort of, you know, how do you take responsibility for that? And how do you um, humble yourself to be able to learn from other people about their experiences, especially when maybe you do bear some responsibility for what's happening? So I appreciated that Tongo talked about that. I really appreciated that too. And I feel like it does resonate with me so much because um, it's the, the idea that we all need to be paying attention together. This isn't about like pay attention every four years when your side loses or every eight years as the case may be. And also, let's stop looking at politicians of any color as being on our side, because, you know, we have now had um, a Democratic president, a Democratic House, and a Democratic Senate um, for a couple few weeks now, and uh, I don't see a whole lot of fundamental change happening, and, you know... I'm not like, it's not like I was expecting it because, you know, 
like we've mentioned, Biden even said, nothing is going to fundamentally change. But the, uh, I feel like the right for anyone to be able to be in denial now of the fact that this is basically just like the kinder, gentler arm of the establishment um, that has just as little interest in actually addressing the systemic problems that are causing people to suffer as the previous um, administration. They're just a little bit, you know, they're more, they're more classy about it. You know, like that's my, when I see people saying like, oh my God, we finally have some class back in the White House. It's like, yes, people will classily fuck you over now. (laughs) And again, it comes back to that being willing to recognize your responsibility and where you fit in the picture. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people really didn't get the shadow work memo about Trump, especially white people in this country. It's like they didn't want to look at that man and see the things in themselves they needed to work on. And which is a shame because it was a really powerful opportunity. I think if more people had done that work to sort of heal the American collective psyche, not to get too woo about it, but I really feel like that was sort of like the project that was handed to people. And some people did that work and shout out to the people that did, but the people that didn't, it's like really apparent because now the Biden's office, they're like, everything's great. And it's like, well, it's not, you just don't have to feel as bad about it because the media's to be fair, the media is not pushing a narrative at them like they did with Trump. But mm-hmm. at this point, there's so much information out there. I feel like you do have a certain amount of responsibility to self-educate. And when people are suffering to the degree that they're suffering right now, it's insulting to tell people things are OK when they're not. Right. The kids are still in the cages, you know, like the, this is the thing. Like Yemen is still being bombed. We still are occupying um, Iraq and Afghanistan and we have military bases in 80 countries in which we are definitely infecting everybody in those areas around the bases with COVID because you know that those soldiers are not taking the virus seriously because, you know, soldiers are not necessarily, um, I'm not even going to go into that. Like, but the the thing is that like we have all of this um, this infrastructure in place that has been in place under both colors of government for hundreds of years now, and um, and definitely for decades in its current permutation. So acting like the what's coming next, if it's just a different a different color of the same, is going to to save anyone, it feels like, you know, we're choosing to not pretend that that Santa Claus is just like a guy in a red suit with a beard on who's drunk. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, and it's like none of these huge problems are necessarily going to be solved overnight, and I don't think either one of us are, you know, living in a world where we think that'll happen, but if you aren't even willing to call the problems what they are, then... You know, just as at least like a first step, then it's really as things get worse and worse and worse and, you know, the society of the West collapses more and more because it's at the point that no interventions in the machine seem to be working, then you need to start looking at the machine itself. And if you're not willing to do that and you think swapping out the paint job on the machine is going to make it better, then 
you know, like you, there's a certain, we can't all change the world in and of ourselves, but we can take responsibility for our own consciousness. And I think that's what Tango is really getting at. And I think why poetry is powerful because it pulls you out of a sort of linear concrete state of thinking and gives you a more expansive, um, flexible consciousness, if that makes sense, I feel like. At least that's what I feel like. That's why I've been trying to experiment more with poetry and my own writing in the last year. Yeah, it's, I think, the the removal of these sort of structures that want to keep our communication very rigid and very, um, like, devoid of nuance and wants to divide us into teams and make us feel like we need to be in conflict with one another instead of language that allows us to understand one another and to, you know, communicate outside of set definitions of anything. It Unfortunately, our education system is very intentionally set up to keep us from being able to engage with poetry like that and with literature like that in general, but especially with poetry like that because our education system is trying to set us up to be good little workers. And, um, you know, poets tend to uh, n- not necessarily fit in that well with the, uh, in, the, in the good little worker hole for good reason. Writing and reading and thinking in poetry is in and of itself an act of resistance in a system that wants us to have very firm, rigid, like immovable definitions and structures that we abide in. It's, I, I think it's like one of the most underrated acts of, you know, nonviolent resistance. Yeah, and I also, this might be something I have to cut out, but I often think that a lot of this sort of, like, lack of nuance, the sort of specific repetitive language people use, the sort of boxes people get pushed into, that there is a sort of dark spiritual energy behind us, behind that, and, like, we need to maybe at least consider that as an idea, even if it's just a theory, you know, and think about how we can be a counter to that. And that's all I'll say without getting too weird. No, don't. No, like I, if that makes complete sense. Like we really do need to. Um, poetry gives us the. It's it's a you know, one of the, our many tools in like excavating all of that shadow stuff, you know, which doesn't necessarily always have definition or you know easy to understand words. Sometimes you have to make up words for the shadow stuff that you have going on. And um, for just the experiences that you're um, experiencing. Yeah. <laughs> you experience. The doings that you're doing, <laughs> seeing that you're seeing, et cetera. The thinkings. Um, just like I'm saying, exactly. We're, the thinkings that you're thinking. We need, to, we need to be able to have fun with words and to have flexibility with words so that we can have fun and flexibility with experience. And so that we can pay attention to, like, or so that we can recognize when we're being forced into a system that does not allow us freedom and flexibility and fun in our communication and our lives. Um, 
Yeah, and just kind of one more thing Tonga said that I thought was a really powerful, specific tool people can use. Um, I know this is kind of coming back to the beginning and talking about coming to terms with reality and taking responsibility, but, you know, we've probably all, most of us at this point in our life, have lost at least one person we've loved. Um, I lost a really close friend this week to cancer, um, or last week, actually. Time is so weird, but... um, and thinking of that as a sort of connecting point for if you felt like that about this person, how is that a shared experience that other people are thinking or feeling? And how does the system make people feel that way with the little mm-hmm. suffering that it, sufferings that it sort of perpetuates every day by the nature of it being a kind of violent colonial system? Um, right. And that's uncomfortable. Taking people. Yeah, and that's uncomfortable to sit with, but I think we're sort of obligated to do it and do it in a way that's also really loving to our own selves. You know, it's not it's this and that, not this or that. Um, anyway, tall order, but I think poetry can help us get there, or poetic thinking at least. Yeah, poetic thinking definitely can. And, you know, I think... I know when I when I say poetic thinking, I, I don't want to like assume your meaning, but I think yeah, just sort of unstructured and unrestricted thinking. You know, I, I like to think of poetry as as being you know the sort of acting out of you know word freedom, yeah. <laughs> like word frolicking is what I think of poetry as in a way. Oh, word you know? frolicking, that sounds so fun. It is fun. And it's also, it can be so, you know, you know how it can be so cathartic and we have it sort of blocked off in our culture as like a thing that you can do if you like learn how to do it and that most people aren't interested in or don't understand. And it's like, you don't get it. Like poetry is everywhere all the time. You, in all of your jingles that you hear for commercials, like in all of your marketing and all of, all of your popular songs and everything like poetry is everywhere and then that's just talking about like word poetry that you can hear and not even talking about the kinds of um you know visual poetry that you can that you can make within your word poetry and alongside it and like you know we I feel like the reason why we have to relegate it in in this current system that we have is because if we don't, then we start recognizing that it's everywhere and all things, and it actually makes every other way we communicate seem um, sort of silly and and restrictive. Like only using the words that you learned up to fifth grade for your whole life. Right. Yeah, and I think then once you get to that point, you start connecting the dots that you have a lot more power um, and potential for real freedom than you realized. When the Nazis start to yell, punch their face. When the Nazis start to yell, punch their face. When the Nazis start to yell, there's just one answer I can tell. When the Nazis start to yell, punch their face. Exactly. When the fascists give an order, disobey. When the fascists give an order, disobey. What the Folk is co-produced and co-hosted by Sarah Baranowskis and Emily Yates. 
Our featured guest this episode has been Tongo Eisen Martin. His poetry has been featured along with a song of mine called If You Want a Revolution. We love having you here and we hope that you are continuing to stay safe and ready to fight the fascists wherever they may lurk. We love you. If you want a revolution, fuck shit up. Fuck shit up! If you want a revolution, fuck shit up. Solution. Woo! Woo!